Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The whole framework of the industry of planning, it's kind of backwards. So for example, let's say that you come into my office. I'll just use you again. Mm. And I go, Peter, how can I help you? And you're like, hey, I need a financial plan. I need my goals, I blah, blah, blah. And so emotionally, I ask you, what are your goals? What are your dreams, et cetera? Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, where it's all about believing in and executing on different and innovative ways to strengthen both your leadership and communication skills to help increase your success, and especially in today's disruptive business environment. One of the most effective ways of building stronger leadership and communication skills is by embracing the principles of improvisation. (laughs) Yes, that's right, improv. Your host, Peter Margaritas, is an improv virtuoso. He's also a certified speaking professional and a CPA, also known as the Accidental Accountant. Each episode of Change Your Mindset is designed to bring you different and innovative ideas, thoughts, and behavioral changes on a variety of differing topics, with the sole purpose of strengthening your critical soft skills. We may call them soft skills, but they are the hardest to master. And when we do, greater success and growth is the result. So jump in and start changing your mindset now. Let's start the show. My guest today is Chris Panayotu. Before becoming a husband, author, podcast host, business owner, and certified financial planner professional, Chris was born to guide others to true financial success. Chris proudly runs his financial planning business, Capitalize Your Finances, LLC, located in Fircrest, Washington, roughly five minutes from where he grew up. And the CAP is actually his initials. In addition to becoming a financial planner professional, Chris is a certified and chartered retirement plan specialist conferred by the College of Financial Planning. He holds the following license with LPL Financial series seven and series 66. In 2020, Chris was recognized as a five-star wealth manager by the Seattle Times. The cap and capitalize is not your average financial advisor or financial planner by any means. Chris is the original capitalizer, one who absolutely is obsessed with profoundly understanding what there is to know about their passion. This translates to a striving push for perfection or clients' outcomes. Although there's no such thing as perfect, a capitalizer does not need to justify their knowledge with big words from Wall Street, complicated graphs, charts, or talking over people. A capitalizer wins based on loyalty, 
stewardship, and an unwavering commitment to their family, friends, clients, and colleagues, which results in overall growth and positivity within the capitalizers community. This is what Chris is all about. Before we get to the interview, a few housekeeping things to take care of. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Also, please subscribe to and share this podcast episode with a friend. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. So is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, also known as The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a speaker that can bring powerful content, virtually or in person or on site, that is memorable and engaging in a way that motivates and inspires your audience? Instead of data dumping and numbing with numbers, imagine your people and teams delivering a financial story to your stakeholders, a story that creates engaging and relationship-building business conversations. Would you be interested in learning more about how that is accomplished? How would you feel if the value your facilitator provided your organization far exceeded the dollar amount on their invoice? Peter Margaritas, CPA and certified speaking professional, delivers all of the above and much, much more. All of Peter's programs can be done virtually, in person and on site at your location or at an off-site venue. Send Peter a note at peter at petermargaritas.com and or visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com to learn more about what Peter can bring to your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Now, let's get to the interview with Chris Pagliotu. Hey, welcome back, everybody, and Happy New Year again. My guest today, we met because of a mutual uh, acquaintance of Kate Colbert and Silver Tree uh, Publishing. And we met back in, I think it was maybe September, October, something right around the, right around the release of, of your book. And I, this, I don't, I'm not kidding. We started talking and I felt like we had known each other since we were kids or something. It was just a smooth, easy, ongoing conversation. And he's got a podcast. He had me on. He must have been desperate looking for somebody. I, I, I took him up on the offer and I, I reciprocated that offer. So first and foremost, welcome to the show, Chris. And thank you for taking time out of your busy day to spend it with me. Absolutely, Peter. There is no place I would rather be than on your show. The pleasure is all mine. And I'm happy to see wherever this conversation goes. But one thing I will say is I can guarantee it's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun. So let's just get right to it. You had last year you came out, I think it was like in August of last year with the book, Capitalize Your Finances, the yes. how-to financial framework that it takes you from, I love it, compoundingly clueless to monetarily magnificent. That I love that. That is correct. You nailed it. Yes. August, uh, August 15th, 16th was when it came out. Yeah. So what was, did you write this during the pandemic? Were you looking for something to do? What, what was the reason that you wanted to write this book? Yeah. So actually taking a trip before that, Okay. Um, because there, there was a huge buildup. So probably, and I won't take you like all, all, all the way back, but for those, uh, those that have listened to my show, followed me for a while, they know I've invested since I was 10 pseudo started advising when I was eight, uh, 14 ish. Started working at the big firms when I was 18, found an amazing family company in 2015, and then spun off 
and started Capitalize Your Finances, the financial planning business, February of 2022, which was inspired by my podcast, Capitalize Your Finances, available on Spotify and Apple. And, and that is also the title of the book. Now, it probably started to become a thing, I would say indirectly in 2016. And it was really simple. I started looking around in, you know, also in 2016, I was what, 20, I think 24, 25, something like that. So let's just face it. A lot of people aren't going to trust their life savings, especially those that are (laughs) older with a 25 year old, right? Like it's just not going to happen. And so I told myself, okay, for the clients that I have, I'm going to be obsessively um, relentless with being prudent for them, which is what you should do anyways. Right. But then even going above and beyond that, anything that I have left over from the proceeds of the business or the practice when I was at the previous firm, I'm going to reinvest in myself. Um, a lot of these businesses, it's, it's I'm in a unique business because a lot of these, these businesses, they take all of their... Uh, profits and they like to reinvest back in the business to get it to grow. Now, ours and, and mine, I'm just going to speak for for myself, is a little bit different because I've told myself, hey, if I'm going to recommend like a longer term type of investment, whether it's a stock or private equity, real estate, whatever, I would much rather have my wife and I in it first and do the diligence on it because if it's good enough for a client, it should be good enough for us. And so, for one of it, because of that. I told myself, okay, step one, I'm going to take these proceeds and actually lose some return because you could go and reinvest it in your business. That's going to provide a much higher return on your investment and invest alongside clients. Not saying that means they're a bad investment, but anyone that runs a business knows that a successful business, if you reinvest constantly in that business for a number of reasons, it is going to be your, your highest return on investment. Now, that started happening for me in about 2016, 17. And how that came to the topic of writing the book was I started realizing, okay, I'm talking to other advisors or planners in the industry. And maybe I'm just seeing something that that they're not. And so then I figured out, oh, this is this is like my framework. I didn't know that at the time, but I go, okay, I've got something here. So then you fast forward and our business really started taking off uh, in 2020. And the blessing with that is we looked at clients' portfolios and you're never going to say, oh my gosh, you know, not a single investment we had, uh, you know, lost money. That's absolutely silly. But from a planning standpoint, clients that had either retired or have about retired, they could still keep going at the rate that they were. And they really weren't freaking out because they understood the framework. And then for clients that were growing their net worth, they they weren't really freaking out at all. And that was very unique. And then I realized, okay, I've been tested. I've been tested in this moment. My framework, we've got something here. And how, you know, long story, you know, getting towards the book, I promise we'll get there. Originally, in June of 2020, I was freaking out because things just weren't opening up in Washington state. And before that I had zero social media and you know, my lack of love for social media. Mm -hmm. And so I said, screw it, screw it. I'm going to play the game. I got to do it. So I start my LinkedIn and I start connecting with people. I'm like, this is just getting ridiculous. 
But then it hit me. Why don't I start reaching out to my favorite researchers that I've looked up to in our industry forever? Because maybe they're at home, you know, not doing a whole heck of a lot as well. And, uh, you know, I know they were busy, but they weren't nearly as busy. So I was able to connect with some of these higher up people I've looked up to in our industry. And one thing led to another. I wanted to see if they could come on like a weekly show that the company I was at before I started Capitalize Your Finances, if they wanted to become a guest. Well, it got convoluted and they thought I had a show. And me being an improv guy, because I loved improv in high school, I'm like, of course, let's go. Let's make it happen. And I remember I hung up and I'm like, uh-oh, like I've got, I've got a problem. And then I kept going with it. And I guess the problem grew because then they liked the show. So now I've got these guys that I look up to a lot with clout in the industry that are preaching a show and spreading the word on a show that truly doesn't exist. I mean, really. And so I talked to uh, my, my old chairman who's an amazing family friend. And I said, Hey, you know what? Like, I, I think there's a demand growing here. So that's when capitalize your finances became a show. It wasn't originally called that. That's what it is today. And then people started asking me toward the end of 2020, about the mid, mid uh, 2021. Well, when are you coming out with a book? And I'm going, <laughs> you know, I never really thought of that but if the demand of the market keeps growing you have i mean unless you are just a fool you have to respond to that if you are able to of course right and i was able to and so i said okay you know what this is what and i'm a man of faith you know that um this is what god's calling me to so going all the way back to 2016 when i started figuring out what was missing in our industry all the way through 2021 doing a tremendous amount of research out there, realizing there is a massive gap in financial planning literacy, and then filling that void. And what was beautiful about it was, unlike a lot of these books out there, where it's very, um, it's either very academic, with no emotion, or it's very like roo-roo, rah-rah emotion, with no financial practicality, I tried to blend all of that. And so when I wrote the book, I write like I talk. So for those of you that decide to buy the book, uh, you're either super welcome or I'm terribly sorry. (laughs) And and, uh, so when I wrote it, it's me. And a lot of these books I've learned too, and and Peter, I know you know this as well. I think it's like 80% of these books, nonfiction books are ghostwritten. Now, I'm not discrediting that because time becomes extremely valuable. But if you're just getting started as an author, I I can speak for myself. Some of my favorite moments were going through writing out the framework. Or I'm sure, Peter, for you, some of your favorite moments of your books was actually writing and going through that rediscovery process and going back to that moment where you fell in love with whatever it is that you're writing about. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, that's kind of how the book came up. It, it was a culmination of working really hard, really over the course of my entire life, but it was spearheaded in 2016, 17-ish. COVID woke up a lot of opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then 
the market just was asking for it. And so I, I had to provide it. Just out of curiosity, how long did it take you from start to finish? I had a feeling you were going to ask that. And, <laughs> and it's funny because I've never, a lot of people ask me that. And, you know, I just kind of rattle it off. I would say from the, the time I wrote my outline mm-hmm. to actually writing it and getting it published in August of 2022, it took about a year and a half, maybe a little bit more, which I've learned is very fast for writing a book. Well, when when you're focused and dedicated and you build a process on how you're going to write that book, that's yeah. about what the, yeah, that was about a year and a half. Maybe this this last one was maybe, no, I wrote the, this last one during the pandemic. So it was about a year and a half. It was about a year and a half till it, till it came out. And it's just some, some people, you know, will do it, will write, then they'll go away, yeah. they'll come back. But I was writing, I was putting out stuff every single week. And yeah. just, because I don't, yeah, I want to be there tomorrow. And that's just kind of how I am. And yeah. just, but that's, that was just a curiosity. Because I, knowing you almost as well as I think I know you, <laughs> I, 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 would, I was expecting somewhere between a year and a quarter to a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that, that, is, that is, pretty uh pretty fast and even i, I think you i think your, your book count is over 250 pages I think. yes yeah yeah, yeah. around yeah. around around yeah. there yeah yeah, yeah. so um, um change, change it we'll keep it on the financial aspect of it but as you're writing this book what are some of the biggest issues that you have seen with the financial industry as it pertains to the ultimate serving of their clients so there's a lot there and also, I just looked just to double check. My book is 219 pages, not that anyone's okay. counting, um, but but issues. So when I was at <clears throat> the larger firms, I'm not going to knock the larger firms. One, I really don't want to deal with a lawsuit, especially with the daughter <laughs> on the way. And then two, you know, it's like I always like to look back and say that every moment I have had has been a positive learning experience. And that could mean either learning something to do or learning the absolute not to do. So in a lot of these advisors and planners defense, I do believe these big firms have some amazing people. And there is a purpose for these big companies. But I quickly found out what not to do. And what I mean by what not to do is you have a lot of these publicly traded companies that are just that, they're publicly traded. So hypothetically, if I'm an advisor for XYZ big firm, again, avoiding lawsuits here, and you come in and you are asking to become a potential client of mine, even if I do have the best intentions, which again, I think a lot of these people do, well, behind me in the ivory tower is a publicly traded company. And what is the publicly traded company trying to do? They are trying to do what is in the best interest of the shareholders, owners. That's not their fault. Well, if that's the case, you get so big. The only way to do that is to constantly grow and essentially hoard assets. And so eventually that alignment between having one's best interest, which is super cliche, but it's the honest God truth, and then just maximizing shareholder wealth, there's going to be a tipping point there. And as you could imagine, 
I spoke my mind on that and they didn't like that. Neither of them did. So that's what I saw of what not to do. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I will say, unlike the big places is, you know, the, the family firm I was, I was at, you know, cause some people have asked, Hey, why'd you leave, et cetera. It had nothing to do with the negatives that I had with the big groups. Like I tell people all the time, the family firm I was at, they gave me a chance and that is worth its weight in gold. And you can never replace that. And frankly, you know what? Like, like my grandma said, God rest her soul. If someone's bold enough to ask you a, a question, they should be ready to take that bold response. And so I don't even need to explain it why, but I can tell you that as I was going through that and they let me grow and kind of do my own thing, I started to get curious as to what was going on that was so wrong to answer that question. And, and a couple things that I realized was number one, the whole framework of the industry of planning, it's kind of backwards. So for example, let's say that you come into my office. I'll just use you again. Mm. And I go, Peter, how can I help you? And you're like, hey, I need a financial plan. I need my goals, I blah, blah, blah. And so emotionally, I ask you, what are your goals? What are your dreams, et cetera? And then you ask someone, how do you feel about investing? And this is where it gets interesting. Most people don't have a clue. And so they go, I don't know. So I go, okay, we're going to put you in a portfolio that's the middle of the road. Not that you even know what that means to begin with. And so then you look at the market as an example, market takes off and you're lagging that by like half because in theory, it's half is risky, right? So you should have right. half of the return, but you don't understand that. So now you're pissed off and you go, Chris, what the heck? Mm -hmm. And I go, well, you didn't really know. So we put you in a, in a moderate portfolio. So you know what now what we need to do because you want to get more aggressive with it and your testosterone is just jacked up. You are ready to go alpha elite mm -hmm. on your portfolio. So now what we do is we, we jack that up. And let's say the market has a pullback like it did in 2022. Well, now you're really mad because you just, you, you temporarily lost money. You only lose when you permanently sell. And I go, okay, so you're a little bit more anxious now and you're enraged. You're like, yeah, you know, stop the presses. So we halt that, it gets a little bit more conservative. And you see this emotional cycle, right? As you are growing one's net mm -hmm. worth. And so I saw that and I'm like, wow, that's, that sucks. And then I started reading a, a research paper that the Dalbar study puts out every year. And normally these banks are the ones that um, sponsor it. And so the Dalbar study is uh, a study that puts out every year behavioral finance research, which is a fancy schmancy way mm -hmm. of comparing how people do according to traditional financial advice versus traditional investments, whether it's you know stocks, real estate, bonds, whatever. Mm -hmm. And generally speaking, those that listen to traditional advice lag to basic inflation by about half of a percent. Historic inflation, not what we got going on right now, two, two and a half. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, that's another layer. And what really capped me off to going full tilt with Capitalize Your Finances, the business, the book, the podcast, was I started looking up, okay, is there a go-to framework out there in planning? So if your listeners are into investing, okay, 
They have probably heard of The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham, who was Warren Buffett's teacher at Columbia University, the godfather of investing, if you will. Now, I have read The Intelligent Investor. I've read Security Analysis, which is written by Ben uh, Benjamin Graham and David Dodd. If you want to bleed out of every orifice <laughs> of your body, I strongly recommend you go snag that thing and you buy it. It is an academic juggernaut, hellacious read. And also it was written way back in the day. So a lot of it is kind of antiquated, but it, it, it gives you an amazing framework. So I said, whoa, this is super cool. But is there anything out there today that is the equivalent, but in the planning world. And so people can understand the framework of what they need to do so they can be deadly with their own finances and be the general of their finances, as my CPA mm -hmm. calls me. And there wasn't anything. And that's where I also got ticked off because there was the academic side, there was the emotional side, but no one was kicking the field goal right up the middle. Right. And so I said, oh, my gosh, that is like God is calling me to that. And that's where I got super passionate about everything that I'm doing right now. And what I I I could have done was I could have done what I think any snotty, cocky, arrogant, early to mid 20s starting in our business does, which is just knock everything because. That's what you do. It's like the talking, the talking shit mentality, right? Yep. And and it feels good in the moment. But I also remember thinking when I was chatting with clients that I didn't get way back in the day, when you're hustling to grow your business right. and help right. people, I remember going to bed at night thinking, oh my gosh, I feel like such a buffoon for, for talking down versus some of my best meetings I had. I didn't talk about competition. I mean, people can hear the chip on my shoulder and the passion just because like I'm loud, right? <laughs> like I, I get that. But what I chose to do was I took that energy and I converted into just positively focusing on who was right in front of me. Like Charlie Munger said, this is one of my New Year's resolutions for 2023. Uh, the best referral is sitting right in front of you on your desk. So you just are obsessively focused with whatever's in front of you and you positively move that in the right direction. And so that's what I tried to do with my book. That's what I do on my show and is, you know, unlike back in the day where it was like the football field, right? You just talk smack and mm -hmm. you start knocking all these people. I, I just converted that because it's really easy to just compound negatively, but it's a lot more difficult to just climb up the hill to positivity. Um, so, I mean, I could go through a litany of things above and beyond that, but I started the big firms, saw what not to do, was thankful for the company that gave me a chance. And then I took that time and energy and obsessive, relentless focus that I had for what I'm doing. And I figured out, okay, how can I positively turn around my negative feelings towards what not to do? Fair enough. And that's well, well, well versed. I, I, you know, we serve our clients. We don't serve ourselves. No. And and a lot of I've I have fired a number of financial planners uh, over the years because they were serving themselves mm -hmm. and talking down to me. And I I may not I may not have the same capacity, but I do have an understanding. And it was like, okay, you're making money, and then I've, I've 
this person I, I have now, I, I mean, I've had more conversations with him in two years than I've had with, with the three of them prior that I fired over a 10 year period. Yeah. It's crazy. And, 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 and he gets it and I'll help Phil. I'll give you a plug. Phil Lovegrove with uh, uh Vorsic financial in Worthington, Ohio. There you go, Phil. Um, I'm Is he a Buckeye? Uh, he's a Buckeye. I, I believe he's a Buckeye fan. He's been, he's been in Ohio and in, in the Columbus area for a number of years. Yeah. A number of years. But as you're talking, and I, I've gone through some of the chapters in your book, and you mentioned some big event that's happening later this month. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You got to go out and watch the video on my YouTube channel. His face just lit up. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. His, your, uh, you have a baby daughter. I have a, I have a baby girl. Baby yep. girl coming into this world at the end of this month. Mm-hmm. So when she gets to be of the age, let's say six. Okay. And you're going to have the first financial talk with her. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about this? Specifically for six, no. Have I okay. thought about it in general? Yes. Okay. One thing I, I can tell you in another motivation that I had when I was writing this book was actually on the day that of of Stephanie, my amazingly gorgeous wife, in my wedding in 2020. And I thought to myself, okay, what happens if something happened to me? And that was another thing that I was really motivated and inspired to to do because if something ever happened to me, I know um, you know, my mom would be taken care of if she stuck to this book. My brother, who is brilliantly smart, you know, he's a social media guy. Which is always really funny because he knows how much I despise social media. <laughs> and that's literally his his job. Shout out to Vital Media Studios. If you are a food company, you need to give him a call. And then like I wanted to make sure my wife or then any of our, our children that we because we've always wanted to have kids. Mm-hmm. We're okay. Now, going back to your question of the conversations that I would have, and this is something I recommend a lot of clients do early on. So Parents like to give their kids something like an allowance per se, or, or some type of reward for their goods and services. <laughs> and a lot of my clients ask me like, how would you do that? And I go, well, you know, one thing that you can do that's really easy is, okay, let's say that you are paid five bucks an hour for whatever it is, mowing the lawn, doing the laundry, doing the dishes, you name it. So they know that. And by six or seven, you know, hopefully you can count up to 15 if it's three hours. And then you give them 12 bucks. And they're going to look at you like, what in the hell? Like you said, 15, you go, "Uh uh-huh. But you also need to learn about taxes. And then they go, what? Like, why? And I'm like, well, here's the deal. Like, not why. This is how the world works. And I can tell you right away, legally, the kids are going to want to know, how do you get around that? (laughs) Because they're not going to like that. And it sounds really elementary and simple. But by the time they get to like 18 or 19, you know, they're not going to be freaked out when they get a pay stub. And they know, oh, I'm getting paid, let's just say $4,000 a month, I'm making that up. But then they only see $3,400 actually hit their bank account. You know, there's a story. one of our really good family friends had an internship and she called her dad after her first paycheck. And 
I, I'm keeping it anonymous just because <laughs> I don't want to throw it under the bus. And uh, she goes, dad, she's like whispering. I think she's in the lunchroom. You know, I think, I think my employer's stealing from me. He's like, what are you talking about? Like from your, and she goes, yeah, this FICA person takes out <laughs> X amount every month and he, or every paycheck. Like what, you know, <laughs> what did she go? She goes, uh, she goes, why does she deserve that? Like, what is she doing for you? He's like, honey, that's not how it is. Right. And, you know, I think she was 18 or 19 with her first internship. And, you know, I think had she been exposed to a lot of those simple traits at an early age, I think that would be really valuable. Now, that's just understanding like taxes. Let's say that my daughter hypothetically wanted to start the classic lemonade stand. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Yes. The classic lemonade stand. I would be all for that. But one thing I would say, just knowing what I know from investing or planning is I would educate her on location because a lot of these parents, what they do, and it's not a knock to these parents. They're trying their best to be supportive to their children. But think about it. You go right outside your house. Yeah, it's a hot summer day. You're on your driveway or the corner. And that day, you know, you sell, I don't know, a couple cups of lemonade and you call it a day. And that's it. Well, I would take it another step farther and I'd say, okay, okay, honey. So this was the first day you made, let's say a hundred bucks. I'm, I'm making this up. So tomorrow, where are you going to put that lemonade stand? And kids are brilliantly curious. And so chances are my daughter would go, well, daddy, why would we, why would we move? Well, so if you made a hundred dollars here, what if we went up to Safeway or Fred Meyer and we were right outside? Or Whole Foods, maybe Whole Foods, <laughs> end, right? <laughs> yes. And and uh, so, what if we we put that up there? And yeah, you have to move it, and we got to pay a little bit of gas, right? Mm -hmm. Because you know we're taking out a mommy and daddy's bank account to do that. But you make a a thousand dollars. I know it's extreme, but it gets mm. it's easy numbers. Would you do that? Would you want to make a thousand versus a hundred? She'd go absolutely. Well, then let's do that. You know, and then it might get uncomfortable because there will be people that constantly would reject and reject mm -hmm. and reject. But you are building up so many uh, fortuitous calluses in her business mind that by the time she gets to 14 or 15, even if she chooses not to own or run a business, she understands the art of business. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've actually told a lot of clients, not specifically, but like, you know, if we're having dinner or something, you know, they'll ask me some of those things. And, and it's always going that extra mile, you know, you want to open up their minds. And I never had that. I never had that. Uh, it's not that I didn't have that opportunity, but I wasn't really pushed into that, but I was inherently curious about it. I just didn't know. I didn't know the vote. I mean, when you're six, you don't have the vocab to understand that. But right. what a gift you could provide if you're a parent to guide them to those opportunities. Your daughter's going to, um, by the time she's 20, I'll go out on the limb. I, I think she'll have, she'll, she'll be in college, but she'll have a side business. She, she will, if you keep, if you keep giving her these, these lessons in life, and, 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 and my son did the same thing when the first time he got his paycheck. Why do they take out half my money? 
<laughs> I, th- I yeah. thought I was going to get this. Well, this is the yeah. way the world works. And then yeah. it, it, it finally sunk into him once he saw consistently. It was always that first check. And it was FICA. I'm going to go shoot this person. FICA. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. But just but just building and use the word calluses, just building up these calluses mm-hmm. goes a long way in, in learning. And, and and I think I believe that's part of the reason why we've got some financial illiteracy, mm-hmm. uh, because the calluses were never built into the parents for no. whatever reason. Yep. And, and people are afraid of numbers and afraid of money and so on and so forth. And and, and just by. Reading the, the book, The Lemonade Stand, I, I forgot who wrote it. There's there's enough of them out there. Yes. Uh, and just having a basic sense of business and how it works oh, um, yeah. goes a long way in having a better understanding of what a dollar really is. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. I, I that's uh, your daughter's be a very lucky, very lucky lady. <laughs> but then, but then you got to you got to do the same thing for your son because you will have, you have to have two. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's funny you say that because like <clears throat> a lot of my um, friends, not so much guy friends, but like a lot of um, friends, like our couple friends, mm-hmm. the gals will ask, like, you know, did you want a boy? Did you want a girl? And I, I, I can only speak for myself. Growing up, I mean, I had a brother or have a brother. And then I have two cousins who are both dudes. So like, I guess intuitively, or I guess not intuitively, subconsciously, I thought, well, I, I, we're probably going to have a a son, but I didn't, I never really thought of it. And I never really cared what we had, you know, it was even interesting. I remember I was actually just finishing up a podcast and my wife walked through the door and she's like, Oh my gosh, you know, we're pregnant. (laughs) <laughs> and for me, and this is just how I process things. I, I try to be very objective. I, I kind of have to be mm-hmm. right. Like, you know, if a client came in and like, I was just emotionally freaking out, that's not going to instill confidence, but that's, that's just who I am. So I was excited, but I was like objectively excited. I was like, okay. She's like, that's it. I'm like, well, what, what, I mean, you know, it's not going to be here. She's like, you're not going to cry or anything. I was like, well, no, I mean, you know, if you, I don't know, pinch the back of my arm or, you know, like <laughs> put some pepper under my nose, like maybe, but like, I just, it was very objective with, and then once we found out we were having a, a girl, of course I was excited to to know, but initially it was just one of those things where I'm like, Oh, I'm having a girl. Okay. But now as it's, it's gotten a lot closer and I've talked to a lot of my friends that have daughters, I am proud to be a girl dad. I've heard yeah. being a girl dad is pretty great. They said yeah. that you know, for the first year or six months or so, you're going to be completely useless. And then once she starts to get emotion, she's just going to fall in love with you. And then from about six months on till about 11, it's pretty awesome. And then just hell just sweeps over when you enter the tweens and the teens. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm mentally developing the calluses for 10 years down the road. (laughs) Yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. Well, I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Good luck with that. I uh, we we were lucky enough to have a son, and okay. in, in the sense of having a, a child. But hindsight being 2020, we should have had at least two because he is incredibly spoiled, and he he's the first one to tell you 
that he is. Mm-hmm. And, and and luckily, when, when he was younger, I was actually working at another university in Columbus, Ohio. And I, I, I could have that freedom to go and spend with him and stuff. And my wife was managing a, a Macy's department store, which was completely hectic. Um, but I was I was his best friend, which is mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Um, but then I'm still trying to work and I'm still trying to do it. So come on, dad, let's go play some video. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. And, and at first I was kind of a little apprehensive about doing that. And right. I said, shit, what the hell? You know what? I'm not going to, at some point in time, you know, I, he thinks I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. At right. some point in time, I know he's going to think I'm the biggest idiot. Now we're in that stage. We're starting to come out of it. He's 22. So we're starting okay. to co- come out of that. He's seeing that. Yeah. That's not as dumb as I thought he's been. Yeah. Yeah. But he didn't say you're not dumb. No, he, no, no. You're not but, as dumb. He, no, but his, his tone, his, his inflection. And, and, and thankfully he got my humor. Okay. Good. 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 <laughs> so we've gone from finances to uh, uh, how to raise a kid. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, Chris, I, I can't thank you enough for taking time. This has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I always, Good to see you and and, and to and please, if I know you're not going to think about it immediately, but let me know when when she shows up and that she's all healthy and OK, and that'll be great. Maybe sometime in 2023, our paths will cross. Maybe I'll get out to the West Coast. I haven't been, haven't been in the Pacific Northwest in, in a number of years. And my problem, my, my fear is I love it so much. I might not come back to Stillwater. Well, and then on the flip side, I've never been to Oklahoma, and I can tell you right now, um, one, the cost of living is a whole heck of a lot cheaper there. (laughs) So, you know, like, um, if you want, I mean, if we're trying to save right money, I'd be more than more than happy to come on down and see you guys as well. But in all seriousness, man, I've appreciated all the time. And and, uh, yeah, I do. I do hope our paths cross. And I will leave you with this. When our daughter is here, I do have some musts that i have to text before you but you are on the list cool i made the list yes absolutely absolutely all right my friend you have a great rest of your rest of your day and um i'll get you the information on when this will be released awesome awesome thanks pete thank you i would like to thank chris for his time knowledge and thoughts about how to serve your clients in which he is spot on right about how to serve one's clients. Remember, there are people who prefer to say yes, and there are people who prefer to say no. Those who say yes are rewarded by their adventures they have, and those who say no are rewarded by the safety they attain. Be a yes person, and thank you for listening. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.